Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. I am very happy today because my guest is Derek Toe, the founder of Hiredly. For those of you who don't know, Hiredly is a leading online to offline recruitment platform for junior to mid-management talents, including both a job portal and headhunter recruitment solution. Thank you very much for being here today with me, Derek. And thanks for having me, Kevin. Excellent. So the question that I ask every single founder, anybody that's listened knows the first question is about the founding story. So take me back to the beginnings. How did you enter into the entrepreneurial journey and how did you come about with launching Hiredly? Yeah, so I never really thought of being an entrepreneur. Basically, I was actually doing headhunting at the time. So uh, I, I was doing headhunting and it, it was for quite a reputable firm. And um, at the time, you know, there were a lot of my clients that would um, admit to struggling hiring junior talent, you know, when they advertise on portals and then they would headhunt, right? Which is great for business as a headhunter. And, and then one day I actually went out with a, with a friend and, you know, we had a drink and he was, he was complaining about the same issue where he would advertise, you know, to hire and then he wouldn't succeed. And, and then, and then he would, he would then ask me that, Oh, but I can't afford hit hunting, you know, like, like your service. So what's my solution? Like I'm a small company, you know, I, oh, and, and would it make a difference if more people knew about uh, the culture of the company? Cause we, we, we think we're a good business. We think we're a good culture. And, um, but we don't have this big brand. So if we were to advertise on, you know, all these portals, we're going to be alongside these multinational companies and big consumer brands. And, you know, they attract all the talent, but I'm a good place to work too. So I, I was really um, attracted to this idea of culture, actually, or, or more specifically using culture to attract talent. So I love the idea. And um, two weeks later, after that drink, I quit my job and I said, I'm going to build this thing here <laughs> and I think Malaysians are going to love it. So it was, I actually started, uh, I approached it like an artist, not as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. in, in, in a sense where I had no clue how to implement or execute it. I have no clue how to make money out of it. You know, all I knew was I had this instinct that the market would love something like this, right? Using culture to attract talent. And from the talent's point of view, you know, finding the, the, the company with the right culture for you. And that sort of launched um, our early version of the platform. So we were, we were called WOB last time, W-O-B-D, which is actually short for working on beanbags. 
that was the name of the blog. <laughs> and, and we arrived at that name because I was, I was walking around these companies that said they want to use culture to attract talent. And I found that the one thing they all have in common was they all have beanbags. So I was like, okay, I guess that's the, that's the name of the blog. So, so we got lucky in some sense. So we launched it and um, you know, it, it caught, well, that, that spark kind of caught on a little bit and, and, and then, then it grew. You know, and it grew and it grew to you know what we have become today. So, I so I, I often tell people that you know I, I really started this with uh, the intention of bringing culture to the workplace, and somehow it, it's just grew into this really big recruitment company. Okay. Okay. So when you when you did, I mean, it's a it's a quick it's a quick jump in order to quit your job after after kind of brainstorming on the idea and then jumping and running with it. But when you started getting it off the ground, because you were in headhunting to begin with, did you start with the offline portion of it, or did you kind of start with the online? Which which came first in this journey? Yeah, definitely online. Uh, in fact, I, I wasn't even thinking of it as an offline business in the beginning. Okay. And I can share more about the story, how we became online to offline. But it was purely online because I remember when I first sort of quit my job to start this blog or platform, you know, mm-hmm. the, I, I had a, a couple of um, uh, contacts or friends who knew that I was very good at headhunting. Mm-hmm. And then they said, let's start a recruitment or headhunting firm together. Like I'll invest in you. And then, you know, I'm sure you do a great job. You can make lots of money. And then and my response to them at the time was like, oh, but how many people can we help in a headhunting firm? You know, like, you know, I was a very good consultant in my day. And I would be, you know, in, in a year, I would be able to help, say, 30 or 40 people get hired. You know, so then 30, 40 people a year is very good. But there are like five million people in Malaysia in the workforce. So how many Derricks will you need? So 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 my my point was that offline was good, but the impact was limited. Mm-hmm. So from the get-go, I was like, no, I, I think the impact is limited. So I, I prefer online because the reach is much further. Mm-hmm. You know, we can impact more people. So it's always the, the, the original idea was definitely online. Okay. And bringing that sort of uh, that sort of emphasis on company culture and that, how do you bring that online? Because it seems like it would be more complicated than your traditional job board, yeah? Yes, yes. So so the typical job board would just be focused on uh, job descriptions. Mm. And most of it will be that's text-based job description. So sure. if you were to, you can, you can run this experiment now, you can go to any portal and you say, you search for marketing executive. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those job descriptions side by side, most of the time you can't really tell the difference. <laughs> you yeah, know, so undifferentiated content. Yes, yeah. Und- yeah. So it's all the same, and you can't tell which is the right company. So you end up blindly applying to different roles and different companies. And, and on the flip side, on the employer side, that's why sometimes they get a lot of spam. You know, mm. but it's, it's it's also partially the way they advertise. So 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 for us, it's like okay, we decide we want to move away from this kind of like text based. Uh, CVs or JDs, right? And and try to bring in a more uh, uh, a richer uh, uh, element to it, right? So a more human element or more information. Uh, and we call this concept going beyond the CV or beyond mm-hmm. the JD. And so when we first started building the platform, so so the friend I mentioned that had this drink with me, I, sure. I actually told him I'm going to do it. And then and then and there's a great great. So how are we going to do it? And I actually reversed that question to him. I said, I don't know. How do you think we, I'm going to do it? <laughs> and he said, I, I have a, 
I have a DSLR camera in my office. So I said, why don't you come to my office? I'm going to lend the camera to you. I'm going to set it up to you, for you. And then why don't you restart taking some photos and you interview me? Literally, that was like, okay, let's see what happens. So I, I remember the first interview that I did was, I don't know, like 20 minutes long or something. Like that. It's like ridiculously long for, for, you know, for the, the purpose that we wanted to have. And I, I, I interviewed it. I just took that, um, that really long interview back home to my computer. I started editing it myself to try to shorten it. And then we said, okay, maybe that's the difference. So if, if a job seeker, before they apply to the job, they can get a sense of who the founder is, who the management is, you know, what are they like, what do they care about, what's the vision for the company. And we took a lot of photos of the office. If they can get a sense of what the work environment is like, before they even set foot for an interview, that would save them so much time. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what happens most of the time. When, when someone applies blindly to the job, the only time they get to really decide if they like this job or not is when they get invited to the interview. So when they turn up and they look around and they're like, you know what, I don't like this place. But, but by then, you've sort of invested so much time in the process already. Yeah. So we said, why don't we just shortcut this by bringing in a lot of information in a very visual way. Um, so that, that's how the original concept was. But of course, it's evolved into different elements now. But the main pillar uh, around this idea is going beyond the CV and JD. Right? That's what we're trying to do right now. Okay, so you 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 would actually end up getting photos, videos, more profile information around the employer to give more information to the applicant. Would it as after that first instance of of the 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 friend that uh, you brainstormed the idea with? Is it typically the employer that ends up having to create that, send it to you, or do you have people that will uh, come and facilitate creating that that content layer, the the extra written richness of details? Yeah, uh, well, uh, in the beginning it was me and my uh, wedding photographer. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> that this is a true story. So after I shot that first you know, profile with my friend. Mm-hmm. I, said, I, 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 I then started going around talking to different people and said, does this seem interesting to you? Would you like to be listed on this platform? Yeah. And then when they said yes, what I did, and more I said yes, I said, okay, I need someone that can shoot this uh, video because I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I just rang up my wedding photographer, which I really like. I said, hey, look, I'm starting a new company. I don't have a lot of money. How much would it cost for you to turn up here I, you know, shoot this video, but I don't need you to edit it. Just give me the file and I'll do the editing. I just need you to turn up and shoot the video. So, yeah. so they gave me a very reasonable price, which I then just recharged to the employer. So, so since the beginning, we've always charged the employer. So it's never mm-hmm. free to use, but yeah. uh, I never, so the company never made a profit. It was just paid back to these freelancers. Um, but I was heavily involved in creating content. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember what I did was say if I if we shot a video at you know and it ended at four or five in the evening, I would go back to my house and I would spend the entire night editing this video, sometimes to like three or four in the morning because I was so committed to have the page up the next day, mm-hmm. right? So I was like I was so into it, and then when it, when it came up and they, obviously the impossible, oh I love this, I just interviewed yesterday and tomorrow and my page is built, right? So it's it's amazing. So I was super hands on the beginning. But, but today, as a, as a higher need today, we have a combination of the employee can upload their own media 
or they can still use our sort of professional team, right, to do it for right. them. So we have two options. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a component kind of like the the Airbnb origination where they realized that, hey, people weren't taking good photos of their places. It's not very appealing. So they they sent out professionals over time. The, the people that were on the platform got savvy and were like, okay, we if we're going to attract people, we need to put better better photos. You 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 see a same out of the employers now that now that you've been operating for a while, people are familiar with the way that the platform runs. They're sending in better stuff these days on their own. I would imagine. Uh, well, it depends. So if um, if we're talking to a big corporate company, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they've really got all these um, you know digital assets that are there. Right, yeah. and 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 then and then they would be able to upload it. Uh, most of the time, I find most HR people want to do it. Like they love the idea, but their marketing department is very busy marketing the business. Right, mm-hmm. so 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 they they see this employer this um, employer branding thing or using marketing time to attract talent as not really marketing's main thing. So HR teams like the idea, but they need help. So okay. what they do is then. You know, they, they actually pay us because they look, actually, we could do it ourselves, but our marketing feels it's more important to focus on their business marketing. So okay. then they pay us because we are like experts in doing employer branding to do it for them. So it saved them that time. Okay. So let's, let's take the opposite side of this and, and talk about the, 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 those prospective job seekers. Um, what additional layers do you end up putting on in order, in order to provide the employers with more details on, on them themselves? Because if you're going beyond the, the JD, you also said you're going beyond the CV. So what is that beyond? Yeah, so um, we experimented with a few things um, and some of them have stuck around. So um, uh, the one thing that we experimented with was also video for the job seeker. So when, when a job seeker signs up, they, they're actually given like a 30-second space to upload a video cover letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and that, that, that feature is still there. But what I, what I find is that in general, most job seekers are not that uh, for some reason, they don't do it. <laughs> Most people still don't do it, even though that option's kind of there. Mm-hmm. But, but the one thing that really works for us is having a chatbot interviewer. So, so right now, so if, if, um, if an employee was to advertise a role, they can actually set up our chatbot, uh, uh, which we call Ashley, to sort of ask some questions that they care about. So every time a job seeker applies to a role, I mean, not only does the employer get their CV, they also get their answers to the chatbot, right? Sort of side by side. So, so these are this is these are typically information that they wouldn't already find on the CV. Mm-hmm. You know, like why are you interested to apply to this role? You know, okay. as an example, right? So, um, so so that helps give like a richer layer of information for the employer. Okay. But we are working on other things like that. Like the offline element is one part that we're experimenting with. Uh, but you know, we you know as as we launch more stuff, like you know, kind of. So yeah, let, let, let's let's <laughs> yeah. talk about that, Laird. Then, because you 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 refer you referenced that there was a story behind the move to the offline. What was that story? You know, because digital business, what's 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 the what's the impetus? What's the motivation to do the offline side? Yeah. So um, when we first started doing the offline side, it was purely as an additional way to generate revenue. Uh, because there were there were some employees that said, look, you know, I 
I love the talent that you're bringing. I don't have the time to screen the CVs, you know, if mm-hmm. I run an ad. So can you headhunt for us in, within your database? Okay. And then we saw, oh, okay, let's, let's build a little headhunting team here. I wasn't really paying much attention to it. It's like just for employees that ask for this service, at least we have a team there. And then, and then one day um, when I was looking at their work, like what the headhunters are doing, uh, because they access the database directly in a very raw way, I, I saw the amount of data that they were looking at when they were actually sourcing for a candidate. Like it was so much more data than I had when I was doing headhunting. Because, because now I know, not only can I, do I know this uh, candidate CV, I know what kind of jobs they're interested in because I know what they applied to, what they rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 and, and, and I know uh, what, uh, you know, um, how they're responding to employers. And so, so that, that information I thought was so powerful. Uh, and they really shortcut that process of like sourcing mm-hmm. that uh, I, I said, hey, we can scale this, you know? So, so my original um, objection about building an offline business was it's not scalable. The impact was very limited. And then and I said, if we can really use technology, I don't like using the term AI too much, but I know it's a bit overused, but it can, <laughs> if you can really, yes, yes but, but if you can really automate how we process this information mm-hmm. for the headhunter, we have an efficiency advantage over a conventional headhunting company. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so um, uh, uh, me, Derek, the consultant, when I was helping 30, 40 people a year, I, I can now have a consultant maybe help 100 people a year get a job. Mm-hmm. And that would make a big difference. So, so, we, so we started taking it seriously. And we said, let's, let's build this layer here. Uh, because on the... Um, on the online side, because we're so focused on culture, I, I do find that there was a, it did hit a certain limit as to the type of companies that would like this concept, right, as an idea. So if our goal is to help as many people get hired in the right company as possible, we need another, another way to do it. And mm-hmm. so we decided to do this, uh, the, the offline method. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, okay. And in, 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 interesting. But let, let's transition back to the back to the beginning and see how see how you've progressed. So let's let's go let's go back to those early days when you're first getting on your your initial clients. And you know because because of the way this is essentially kind of two sided marketplace. You've got employers seeking uh, looking looking to recruit. You have job seekers. So when you're out there in the initial days. Bringing on too many employers without a pool of candidates can end up being off-putting because you've got unfilled postings. The same thing can go on the uh, the job seeker side if there's not enough jobs. In those initial days, can you walk me through a little bit of how you were able to go through and build out and manage that balance in, in the early days? Yes, I, and that is the most common challenge of a two-sided marketplace, right? It's like a chicken and egg problem. So, mm. so um, we were quite lucky on the employer side because um, when I first met many of these employers, and this was before the first blog or website was built, I actually walked around with a PDF of what the blog or the, or the platform would look like. And I, and I said to employers, I said, look, the whole concept is about culture. Mm-hmm. That's our why, why we exist. You like this idea or you don't like this idea? That's it. So, so it, we, we never used any numbers. 
We never said like we have 10,000 candidates or 50,000 candidates. It was an irrelevant thing. The most right. important thing was, do you buy in to this idea of why we exist, which is to use culture to attract talent? We have no users now. We have no employers now. But if you love this idea, come and list. So, so and, and many of them did. I, I, we launched with 10 employers and then it grew to 50 in like two or three months. It was really fast, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and they were very patient in terms of the expectations of the talent because they just bought into the whole concept of culture, right? And, and then once the platform launched, uh, the media started picking up on it and then we got a lot of free marketing and then the users started coming in. So, so, so in some sense, we actually filled up the, the, the supply side first, the employer side first. But because they, they bought into the story so deeply mm-hmm. that they were very patient in waiting for the demand side to come in, or whichever you call supplier demand, right? So, so the, the candidates to come in. And then mm-hmm. once, once we got to 50, there were enough jobs to build momentum, right? And, and then so the candidates started coming in, et cetera, and then the, the employers then also follow suit. If you ask me today, I actually think that we, um, the employers, the, the demand from employers is probably too high <laughs> right now. There's so much <laughs> demand for the type of talent that we have mm-hmm. that we have so many ads run on the, the platform and um, the, the, the talent base needs to catch up, right? So, so, so we've actually had the opposite problem now. Um, but that's kind of how we started. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I imagine that there's, there is a universal, uh, crunch on talent, you know, you, you, you hear it from basically every single, every single employer. So I guess there's some level of expectation there. Uh, and if they're already experiencing the pain point and they buy into the 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 concept of the culture, it it seems it seems like you had something that was ready made and and had some levels of built in patience in order to tolerate that those initial days of scaling. Yeah. Yes, yes, because it was never about oh we are a better portal or we're a better mm. platform. Come users, you're going to get X amount of applicants. We never sold it like that, mm. and, and that's how a lot of portals sell themselves now. Yeah, you know, but for us, it was a very clear concept, right? Because I, I was approaching it like an artist, mm-hmm. literally. Like, do you love this idea? Yes, then list your company. That's it. Like, no question. Like, don't ask me about the talent database because it doesn't exist, right? right? So yeah, so so we had enough of those people who really believed in it, you know, and and they were. Uh, I actually think, in some sense, that's how we got from ten to fifty employees so quickly because the first ten believed in it so much they actually acted as advocates. Mm-hmm. right for for this idea and then it then brought in all these other employers to the platform so i mean i didn't have time to do any sales most of the people that came in were just referrals like one employee for the next and the next and the next and we got to 50 really fast did you incentivize the referrals at all or it was basically just word of mouth that, that kind of went viral to an extent yes yes it was purely word of mouth right? okay okay yes. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Is is there any sort of concentration of the types of jobs that are most frequent uh, through your platform? Is is do you see any sort of clustering? You re- you referenced in one of your examples, you referenced uh, marketing, for example. Do you see it in any sort of departmental sort of clustering, or what what is the most popular out there these days? Uh, well, we are um, uh, used a lot. 
for actually employers advertise across the board, but the the the, the ones that are most active are sales and marketing, mm-hmm. uh, tech as you can imagine, like software developers and cool. uh, creative talent. Right, actually, many companies love to hire creative talent through us. I I, I have a feeling because we're such a visual platform mm. that we, we you know naturally attract a lot of creative people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, even operational roles, right, like accountants and HR, we have we have those. But the one common thread or pattern I find with employees that uses is they 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 tend to be either um, digital companies or companies that are trying to be digital, you know, uh, or, or companies where their, um, the success of their business relies heavily on their talent. Like, for example, service-based industries or professional, like professional services, right? So, or, or like financial services where the talent basically create the product, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so those kind of industries tend to use this very well. Okay. Okay. And within the, the customers that you serve, do you see a lot of recurring customers? Are, are, are many of them coming back on a fairly frequent basis in order to seek out new employees? Or maybe even you, see, you might be able to have some visibility into churn that those employers may have, and that might play a role into how you promote them. Yeah, so, um, you know, in, in the early days, uh, most employers sort of self-screen themselves. I mean, as if they go to the platform mm. and they'll know if they're suitable to advertise on this platform or not, right? Because it's such a visual place. And I would actually say that all those early employers, most of them have stuck around until today because that, that concept still resonates with them. Mm-hmm. So um, with the exception that those that were affected by COVID, I mean, very, very unfortunately, we actually lost a lot of clients, not because they didn't want to advertise with us, but because they stopped existing because, uh, you know, we struggles with the you know, economy and stuff. But uh, now we're actually transitioning more into the corporate world, which is like the main market, right? So, so every startup, I find that typically your first client base are other startups because startups tend to, you know, not only do they want to support each other, but they are generally very open-minded to try new things. So, Early clients are other startups typically, but we've actually gone into the main market now. Like we have lots of like, like we've got big reputable banks that use us, you know, uh, uh, big uh, you know media companies that use us. So, um, uh, for those companies, so far, fingers crossed, retention rate is still there, still pretty high. Um, but uh, uh, I, I mean, I I won't go into exact numbers, but it's definitely more than half, right? That okay. stay every year. Yeah. Okay. So looking forward, uh, what's next for Hiredly? What's 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 in either the product roadmap or the expansion plan to the extent that you're able to discuss? What's next? Well, we are really going um strong on the online to offline concept. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the offline to offline concept basically means that we want to um uh integrate the offline world into the online world. So we're going to be have a lot of community-driven kind of um, uh, uh, events and work where that exists in the offline world and then try to bring that data into the online platform. So we have a very full, um, you know, uh, full rich data of our candidates or our users, 
Mm-hmm. Right. So so most so it's very easy to capture information of user online, but it's very difficult mm-hmm. to do offline. So so that's the 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 space that we are going into. So we're going to have a lot of community driven events where people will come and and they will have a hierarchy account, okay. and and when they come with the hierarchy account, we actually sort of record what their activities are in these events or which events they're in. So when our headhunters start trying to look for the right jobs for them or when we are matching them to jobs on the portal, it will actually take account of everything that's happening offline as well in trying to match these people. So it's an interesting concept. I don't think any platform or recruitment business is trying this right now, mm-hmm. but it, it's what um, gets us you know, you know, excited uh, sure. at the moment. Sure, sure. Uh, in 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 respect to the 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 layer on uh, in on on culture and getting visibility into what an office looks like, you know, in the post pandemic period, there's a lot of conversation around remote work, hybrid work. Is it back to the office? How do you see the impact from your viewpoint with the employers that you work for, and how that actually impacts some of the hiring decisions? Are people looking from a work from home hybrid uh, scenario more frequent? Yeah, uh, we, we run our work culture surveys every year. So uh, the most recent one we is a special edition very much focused on hybrid. Mm-hmm. And something interesting came up from the data is that if you were someone that um, you were physically asked to come into the office, right? most of these people said they preferred hybrid. Mm-hmm. right? They wanted hybrid, So, uh, which is okay, that makes sense. But what was interesting was if you were fully remote, if you're working fully remote, most of the people who work fully remote also wanted hybrid. So, so that was interesting because you would think that someone that didn't have to go to the office would say, that's great. I, I, I like it this way. I don't want to go to the office, but most people want an office to go to, right? If they wanted mm-hmm. to go to an office. So, so I think what, when, when a lot of people say they want hybrid, I, I think it's not so much that they want remote working. I, I believe the whole idea is people want options. They want to be able to choose if I work at home or I work in the office. I want some empowerment here. Yeah, but at the same time, no one really wants to work in a company where there's no office to go to. So sure. it's, it's still going to be something that's very important for every company, building this work, uh, the workspace that you know, uh, is very collaborative. Because I think that's why people still want to go, right? They want this connection to their colleagues. Um, so it won't really go away in my opinion, even though it's going that direction. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to build a company culture when you don't have some sort of in-person interaction. I mean, you can you can get to a certain extent via your your Zoom calls, etc. But it's 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 very challenging. I mean, the, I've I've heard a number of folks reference attrition rates and so forth that have been happening in companies uh, that are fully remote, uh, and I think a lot of people are kind of struggling of what does the balance look like between the flexibility desire to get the culture because both of those affect pr- productivity rates and productivity is basically what the lifeblood of the organization yeah yes that's right so i i guess um my my guess is most people are going to start going back to the office mm. uh, but companies are always going to always have the option of working remotely although it's not going to be as prominent as most people first guess 
when COVID first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure plenty of people would be happy to spend one or two days less uh, time in the the traffic congestion during a commuting uh, during the commuting hours. So a little bit of flexibility is 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 perfectly fine. What one other question in regards to look at looking forward and and what's what's in the in the plans for you? You know, um, recruitment is is a, is a pretty localized business because oftentimes you're talking about a physical office, a physical location, proximity to that. How do you view uh, long term expansion? Um, because I'm I'm gonna venture a guess and say that the the large amounts of your activity is in the Klang Valley, where you know Malaysia is kind of Klang Valley centric. Uh, um, how do you view expansion, whether on a regional basis within the country or perhaps even broader ambitions of replicating the model elsewhere? Yeah, so I, I think if we were purely an online business, then I guess scaling can be a lot faster, but the experience would be very different. Like as mm-hmm. an example, like LinkedIn is a global platform mm-hmm. and you know they barely have a physical presence, but they're everywhere. So, but of course, but what happens is in a purely online setting that there's a certain limitation, right? So our whole idea was by being engaged offline, we really get to know people, you know, when we talk to them about which companies they really want to work in and not just look at them as like a piece of paper, which is the CV or the JD. And the, um, this whole concept, I, I guess, uh, therefore presents some challenges, right? When we are scaling, which we have accepted. So, mm-hmm. so, so we, we are very clear on what makes us unique. And, uh, and, and because of that, we currently have a Malaysia first approach. So we do have some plans to go regional, but when we go regional, we experimented going to Philippines at some point. And we realized that it was, it was very difficult if you're not going full on mm-hmm. and you sort of like half-heartedly trying to go to a new country, you just waste money. You know? So yeah. yeah, so we said, focus on Malaysia, um, uh, you know, we, we're gonna, uh, we, we actually have people in, uh, working in Penang, for example, mm-hmm. which is like North of Malaysia now. They, there's no office, but we have employees there, right? Okay. So, and we also have employees in, let's say, in Johor. Uh, so we still, yeah, so we have to be physically present in those areas, but, um, we've accepted that this is our strategy and, and, and we actually run in a very capital efficient way. So, I consider ourselves profitable, meaning that if we stopped developing new features and just run as we are, we're actually a profitable business right now. So um, uh, this is a good balance, I think, for balancing scaling and profitability at the same time. Okay. Okay. So when when you put a definition towards what success means for the organization, what what is what is that criteria? How do you define success as an organization? Yeah, so we have, uh, we're very mission orientated. So our mission is to help uh, people get hired in the right jobs and the right companies. And then we track the number of people that get hired, right? We, we try as best as possible to track that. On the online side, it's a bit difficult because it's advert-based, mm-hmm. right? But the offline side is pretty easy. And then we have three main pillars that support the mission. So the first one is financial independence. So what this means is that we've always... From day one, we made the decision that we are a commercial business. So, so we, we're not going to burn money just to, for scale, to scale fast, right? We, we have to be very profit-minded and, and, and not rely on investors. That means we, we can be self-sustaining. So financial mm-hmm. independence is one metric that we track, right? Revenue and profit. Uh, the second one is uh, job seeker experience. 
So for us, the winner of the recruitment game is the platform that job seekers prefer to use first. So if job seekers prefer to use us first, we will win. The employers will come, right? So that mm-hmm. is the second thing that we track. So we track things like net promoter score. Uh, we don't really track job seeker at a user retention because in, in job search, it's not... I don't want you to be looking for a job every three months, let's say. You know? sure. <laughs> I want to find that job you love and I want you to stay there, right? In fact, if you stayed in that job for like three or four years, that's a great success story for us. So user retention is not a metric we, you know, we track sure, very closely, sure. but we look at, yeah, we look at NPS. So that's mm-hmm. what we look at. Uh, and then uh, the third one is um, uh, market share growth. So we track growth in database, growth in active users, you know, do more users use us? Are more employees using us? Are there more advertisers? So, so we track those numbers just to make sure that we are capturing a larger and larger market mm-hmm. share. So those three pillars, financial independence, job seeker experience, and market share growth sort of form the foundation of our mission. Okay. Okay. Is, is it fair to say that the, that, the, that the revenue model on the two sides is you have the advertising, which is essentially like a posting fee, and then the offline is probably a little bit more like the recruitment where it's either related to the salary amount, some sort of fixed fee. Uh, is, is it fair to say that's kind of how it plays out? Yes, yes. So the offline side is more success basis and mm. the online side is advertising. Yes, okay. that's correct. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, some really, really interesting insights coming out of that. Let me transition and wrap things up with my typical closing questions that I ask everyone. Uh, so the first one is, what is the tech tool that you just can't live without? I have a boring answer for this one. <laughs> and <laughs> And, and um, it's uh, note-taking tools. Okay. I, I can't live without note-taking tools. So, so I, I, I use it very extensively. You know, whenever I have a thought, I want to capture it. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I use note-taking tools. And, and there's two that I use in particular. One is called Bear. It's a bit okay. less popular. So Bear is like an iOS slash Mac, you know, folk, uh, Mac-only uh, note-taking tool. Uh, spelled and I use spelled it like because, the animal or? Yeah, spelled like the animal. Okay. That's right. And, and um, the reason I use that is because it's really fast, okay. really, really fast. Like, so every time I have an iPhone, it's up, I can find a note really quick and, and it syncs across devices really fast. And mm-hmm. so I use Bear to write, do a lot of writing and note-taking. So okay. amazingly fast. I mean, I used okay. to use Evernote and I, and yeah. I, I stopped using it because it got a bit comfy. Um, okay. Okay. And the other one I use is um, Notability, which is a more common one uh, mm-hmm. for when I'm um, doing handwritten notes. So, I walk around with my iPad mini. Uh, I have it here. Like it's sure. always beside me. And, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's got this pen and, and I love writing and thinking. So, so bear and notability on my iPad. I, I, I can't live without those two. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Uh, second question is if you were to talk to another startup founder that's just getting going, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would be able to offer? Um. Don't walk around like your Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. I think <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit of humility I mean, in the early days. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, we have these. Um, I, I made this mistake too, right? So we we have this like model kind of CEOs mm. or founders that a lot of tech people look up to, and then it's a mistake to think that you you can be exactly like them, right? So I've had so many uh, instances where I was very torn between what Elon Musk or Steve Jobs would do versus what Derek would naturally want to do. And then what I, what I did was like, I actually went through a lot of um, 
about soul, soul searching is a very big word, but I went through this process where I tried to define my own values as a person. Mm-hmm. What do I care about? What do I value, right? What does the company value? And then think about, you know, through the lens of my personal values and company values, what does a CEO look like or mm-hmm. a founder look like through those values and, and become the best version of that, right? Rather than trying to be an Elon Musk because no, you know, you're not an Elon Musk. So I think that's yeah. the main advice. And, 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 uh, and the other thing is to kind of surround yourself, I think, a lot with um, great mentors and advisors. It's very mm-hmm. important. Uh, and really high-quality peers, especially if you're a first-time founder. Uh, whatever you think you know, you don't know. And, 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 and when you encounter this huge problem and you think that, oh, it's such a big thing, you realize that most founders have gone through it before. Yeah. So, so if, yeah, so you've got great, if you're surrounded by great people, then they can help you. Right. And stuff like that, you can't find in books. So you, you really need to talk to people a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, th- I, th- I think that, I think that's fantastic. The, the aspect of don't replicate, don't replicate what other founders uh, are, even if they're the, the, the top in the news, do, do what's suitable for you as, as well as surround yourself with, with others and, and, and leverage the, the strength of community knowledge in order to be able to understand the challenges that you're facing. It may not necessarily be wholly new, unique, uh, even if they seem insurmountable at the time. This this was fantastic, Derek. Lots of lots of great insight has come out of this. I, I just want to give you a big thank you for coming out and joining me here. Yes, thanks for inviting me, Kevin. And uh, you know, I look forward to listening to the episode. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Rockland from Indelible Ventures, and this is The Sea of Startups.